Hi, I'm Natalie Bouchard, and you're listening to Inside NC Labor, a podcast designed to inform and educate North Carolina citizens on the role that the Department of Labor plays in state government. Hi everyone, welcome to Inside NC Labor. I'm Natalie Bouchard. I'm Dolores Quessenberry in the Communications Office. And today we have a very special guest with us. Felicia, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, Yes, I'm Felicia Gore Hoover. I'm General Counsel for the North Carolina Occupational Safety and Health Review Commission. And that's a big mouthful, so I'm just gonna say Review Commission from now on. The Review Commission is the court system that all the OSHA cases come through. We are located on Blunt Street and the old historic Lee House, which is a really cool place to be. We have court in that house. The Review Commission is made up of three commissioners that are appointed by the governor. They are our chairman, Arlene Edwards, who's been on the commission for six years. Dr. Richard Pearson, who's been with us for 18 years. And our new commissioner, Paul Smith. We also have six hearing examiners throughout the state. and. I think four of them have been with us for 30 years or more. So we have an incredible wealth wow. of knowledge with our with our hearing examiners. We also have three office staff that are always here in Raleigh. The Review Commission hears cases in an evidentiary way, and accepts evidence, has a court reporter with our six hearing examiners. If someone doesn't like the decision brought by the hearing examiner, they can appeal, and that appeal would go to the commission with the three commissioners. So those are the two tiers of the review commission hearings. Felicia, tell us, how do the cases get to your court? Well, first of all, there has to be an OSHA inspection, and OSHA inspections happen for one of four reasons. One, it could just be part of a general schedule. Two, there could be a worker death. Three, there could be a worker hospitalization. Or four, there could have been a complaint. So if any of those things happen and there's an inspection, then uh, there could be a citation that results from that. And if there is a citation, then the employer has the right to contest that citation. And when they do that, it brings it to our court. So we are the agency that gives you your day in court. And by the way, for purposes of what we're talking here today, I'm going to treat the listeners as employers. So when I talk, when I say you, I'm talking about you as an employer. So it's the employer that contests the citation and that creates the case in the review commission. Okay. And what are some of the common citations that you see? Well, we see a lot of PPE, which is personal protective equipment. So basically with that, in every situation that's going on with your employees, you need to think about, do they need some personal protective equipment? What is the appropriate PPE? You need to provide it to them. You need to train them how to use it. And you need to document every step of that. We have a lot of cases about hazard communication, which just means look for hazards communicate those hazards to your employees and document that you did that. So I, uh, I hope you're already seeing that documenting is important. Absolutely. You stay out <laughs> of the review commission. <laughs> we hear cases about machine guarding, operator training, competent persons, ladders, a lot of trench things, certainly trench collapses and people falling into trips, trenches, electrocution. Our number one thing we get is probably fall protection. A lot of issues are revolving around fall protection, which is certainly a dangerous issue. And there's also something called the general duty clause. Mm -hmm. And the general duty clause is a catch-all, which says 
that the employer has a general duty to, to protect their employees. So even if there's not an exact citation about something, if it's unsafe, OSHA could still write a citation under the general duty clause. So mm -hmm. we get quite a few of those. Do you have a specific example of something that could fall under general duty? Say mold. There's no citation. I mean, there's, there's no, no standard, for, standard mold. for mold. If somebody doesn't have air conditioning mm -hmm. or proper ventilation, there's really no standard mm -hmm. for that. So that would be one example. Mm -hmm. So I know you said documentation is a good way, but what are some other ways that businesses can avoid having cases come to the Review Commission? Well, the first thing they can do is just be safe. Right. Talk to your employees about safety. Give them the training and the tools that they need to be safe. Make safety a priority in your company. Have it be something that you think about and talk about all the time. I mean, safety does not happen by accident. Mm -hmm. It really takes the effort on the part of management and the employees to maintain a safe work environment. Another thing you can do is to take advantage of the Department of Labor's free consultative services program. Uh, this is something I hear about a lot, think about. Uh, you can actually ask that program to come to your workplace and evaluate safety and health concerns. They give you recommendations and help you solve those problems. Those findings are confidential, there's no fines or penalties, and they can even help provide you with education and training. And it's free, so that's just something people should be taking advantage right. of. It's amazing to right. me that everyone doesn't. Mm -hmm. The third thing you can do before you get to us is that if you get an inspection and there's a citation, then you have the opportunity to request an informal conference. The employer has 15 working days from the receipt of the citation to ask for an informal conference. You need to take full advantage of that opportunity. This is your time to talk to the people that write the citations and their supervisors and to ask for change. You need to come to that informal conference prepared with an open mind and ready to compromise. I see cases all the time that should have been handled in an mm. informal conference. So really take advantage of that. Always request one and always proceed in good faith. After an informal conference, OSHA will send you a letter that either revises a citation or tells you that they're not going to do that, and that's called a no-change letter. If they contest, that's when it switches to your jurisdiction. That's right, that's right. So if, if none of the things I just talked about work and you get a citation and it's not resolved in the informal conference, then you will come to our court by filing a notice of contest. So you have 15 days after you receive a citation or 15 days after you receive a no change letter to file this contest of the citation which brings you under the jurisdiction of the review commission. If you don't file your notice of contest within 15 days then you lose your right to contest and the citation will stand. In that notice of contest it's very simple you're basically just saying hey I don't agree with this and I want my day in mm -hmm. court. So if the employer files a notice of contest, it gets sent to the review commission, and we open a file and send you a packet of information saying that this now falls under our jurisdiction. And part of the packet we send you is something, a form called the Statement of Employer's Position. And that must be mailed back to us within 20 days. In that Statement of Position, you have the option of requesting formal pleadings by checking a box on the form. You do not have to do that. But if you do request formal pleadings, you need to be aware that an attorney for OSHA will then file a complaint. And after they file the complaint, you've got to file an answer within 20 days. 
As you can see, timelines are very important in the review commission. Mm -hmm. So if you contest a citation, you better be ready to be attentive to your case and to file things in a timely manner. Many employers hire an attorney to handle this for them. And if you're gonna hire an attorney, just do it quickly because time is of the essence. You might as well get them involved quickly if you're going to. Eventually your case is gonna be set for hearing and you will get a notice of that at least 15 days in advance. At any stage of the proceeding, you can engage in settlement discussions with the attorney who represents OSHA. You can also call the Review Commission anytime to ask a question. I mean, we're available to help. We're not going to give you legal advice, but we can help you understand the procedures mm -hmm. and what you need to do. If you end up having a hearing, then it will be before one of our six hearing examiners. They accept testimony and evidence, and there will be a court reporter. The hearing examiner, after the hearing, will issue an order, which is the decision in your case, and they could do some different things. They could reduce the number of citations, they could reclassify the citation. For example, if you got a citation that was classified as serious, willful, or repeat, they could reclassify it as non-serious. The hearing examiner could reduce the amount of penalties, or the hearing examiner could create a payment plan to help you pay those penalties. Of course, another option is that you could lose and that the hearing examiner could just agree with the citations as written. So, Felicia, and you touched on this, so that all takes place at the Osh Review Commission here mm -hmm. on Blunt Street. Is that open to the public? It is, it is. All of our hearings are open to the public, so certainly something that you could attend if you wanted to see what somebody else was doing, see another case, mm -hmm. that, that's always an option. You can certainly call our office and ask uh, when there's gonna be a hearing if you're interested in watching one. Observe the process. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. Why don't you tell us about a case that sticks out in your mind over the years? Well, I mean, we've certainly had a lot of interesting cases, but I think one of the ones that sticks in my mind the most was an old case from when I, when I came a long time ago about a, a marina. There was a young man who was an engineering student at NC State. He had worked at this marina for several summers. He had come home for the summer to work, and this big yacht pulled up. And they wanted a, to get filled up with gas. The people on the yacht got off and left to go into the little store at the marina. He put the gas nozzle in, started the gas, engaged a, a hold open latch, and then got on the boat to clear out some trash, which was a kind of a normal service that they provided. Unfortunately, something happened and the gas came out and flowed down into the electrical system and there was a huge explosion and that young man was killed. It was a very sad case, obviously. Yeah, terrible. Yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Of course, the employee death triggered an OSHA inspection, mm -hmm. and the marina received a citation for 29 CFR 1910.106, which is an OSHA standard that prohibits hold open latches on fuel nozzles in marine service stations. Mm -hmm. So hold open latches, or something we all deal with all the time. Every time you pump gas, you know, if you don't want to stand there and hold it, you can like do that little latch mm -hmm. and it will continue to pump gas and it will also stop when it gets full while you clean out your car or right. wash your windows or whatever yes. you do. I do it all the time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's okay for cars, mm -hmm. but it's not okay for, for marine gas stations because it's more dangerous right. because mm -hmm. if, if the gas pump overflows at our gas station 
here with our car, then it's upsetting because it stinks and we might we might have to go home and change clothes and we'll be aggravated. Mm. But we're probably not going to die. Right. You know, but in, in a situation where it could easily get into an electrical system and cause an explosion like happened in this case, certainly that is different. Also, the boat is on the water and other boats can go by, they can get jostled. There's just a lot more variables. So uh, a, a long time ago, I think in 1974, this regulation was made that you weren't allowed to have these kind of hold open latches. So the employer brought that case to our court and his main defense was just that he didn't know. He didn't know that was, he didn't know he wasn't supposed to do that. Uh, and I can tell you that's never going to work. Mm-hmm. That I didn't know if defense is never going to work. Uh, if it's your, if you're in the business of having a, a marine gas station, then you better know every rule that applies to marine gas stations. Mm-hmm. And we can easily see in this case why that Oceanside standard exists because right. this is a real danger. Right. You know, it's not something arbitrary. It's something very real. And uh, so it was their business to know that. And I, and I truly believe that he didn't know. Obviously, they cared about this young man. It was a horrible tragedy for everyone involved. No one wanted it to happen, but it did happen. And, and they did violate that citation. So he lost at the hearing examiner level. And then he appealed. And when you appeal in our, from our hearing examiner, then it goes before our commissioners. We have a panel of three commissioners mm-hmm. and they read written briefs and hear oral arguments. And they made a decision that they agreed with the hearing examiner. So they affirmed his decision. Mm-hmm. He appealed that and went to superior court and that judge also agreed with the previous decision and affirmed that. So that was the end of the case in our jurisdiction. But as an interesting side note, the employee's family brought a lawsuit against against the maker of the hold open latch or the company that provided the hold open latch for the marina Mm. and um, was actually awarded in a jury trial 1.5 million dollars wow so it was a sad case it's also interesting to because it shows us how sometimes there's an osha case and there can be civil litigation going on at the same time Mm -hmm. occasionally there's even criminal litigation going on right so so one event can trigger things in multiple courts Wow, that was a great story to share. And it really stresses the importance of our standards and why the standards are there. And like we we say a lot, the standards are written in blood, you know, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. but they're not arbitrary. They're there for Mm -hmm. a reason. They're there because something terrible like this happened. Exactly. They're there to prevent that. Exactly. Well, Felicia, this has been so informative and helpful. We appreciate your time and coming and explaining this to our listeners. I was wondering if you, for our listeners, could provide, um, you said people could call your office, if you could provide that contact information. So our main phone number is 919-733-3589. And if you do call our office, you're probably gonna talk to Carissa Sluss. She's our docket director. She's the person that makes everything happen. Mm -hmm. And she is very used to dealing with people on the phone and helping them and guiding you. You can call us, we're always willing to point you in the right direction. Great, awesome. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add? No, I appreciate you having me. I uh, I know most people never want to 
come to my office and, <laughs> and that's okay I right. don't want you to come either I don't want you to be in the position where you have to come but realize if you do get an OSHA citation and you don't agree with it that you do have this option you you can contest it mm-hmm. and and we are here to provide that opportunity for you right thank awesome. you so much thank you so much have a great day thanks so much for tuning in y'all remember your safety is our priority.